there's lots of great ways to start off your day. Eating breakfast, meditating, walking the dog. What about starting with making your bed? When you make your bed in the morning, it starts a chain of daily successes. So what feels better than making your bed every morning? How about the sheets that go on it? Go with Brooklyn and home of the internet's favorite sheets. Tori and I are in the middle of a remodel and I so look forward to getting into my cozy bed every night. Brooklinen has high quality sheets at a low price. So I have a different variety of sheets that I can use, especially when the dogs sleep with us and we constantly need to be washing our sheets. They have a variety of sheets, colors, patterns, and materials for all your lounging needs. I am so looking forward to the fall where I could change into my heathered cashmere because they are made for sweater weather to keep you comfy and cozy. Brooklinen sheets are the perfect place to start making your mornings great. Brooklinen is so confident in their product that all of their bedding comes with a lifetime warranty. Get 10% off of your first order and free shipping when you use the promo code LOVED only at brooklinen.com. So go to brooklinen to get everything you need to live your most comfortable life. brooklinen.com, use promo code LOVED. That's L-O-V-E-D. If you have friends who do this, who are the spiritual fertilizer to your garden, keep them close. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Radically Loved Radio. I wanted to create a place where people can go to to get inspired, get motivated, or find some clarity and get tools to create a radically loved life. I will do my best to provide information on a variety of subjects, including yoga, holistic health, life coaching, spirituality, meditation, and overall mindful living. Each episode will bring you some of the world's best spiritual leaders, entrepreneurs, yoga teachers, coaches, along with some of my closest friends, and we will talk about their life experiences and journeys to create something more out of their lives and how they continue to grow to make that happen. Thanks for listening. Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome to another incredible episode of Radically Loved Radio. I am so excited today because there are so many things going on right now. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can see we are in the Mod Pod studio and we are recording another incredible interview with somebody that's in studio. Today, we have Sada Simone, one of my incredibly inspiring friends. I'm really lucky to call him a friend. Sa is a meditation teacher. I call him meditation guru. He's an inspirational <laughs> speaker. He's spoken uh, internationally all over the world. He's a best-selling author. He is just somebody that you want in your life to just keep you grounded and inspired He's also um, my inspiration for TikTok, which we will talk about. Oh, yes. <laughs> and he is joining us in the studio today to talk about his new book, Spiritually Sassy, Eight Radical Steps to Activate Your Innate Superpowers, which he's going to help us all do. Thank you so much for being here today. Yes. Thank you so much uh, for the beautiful intro and for this honor to share with your amazing community. So thank you, my love. Oh my goodness. What do you and think the feeling is mutual, Aww. you know, inspired and loving you. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, I love that. Everybody that's listening knows how long I yearned to have a clap track. Like it's been years. It's been 300 plus episodes. <laughs> and literally this is how long it's taken to get that clap track. Let's hear it again one more time and give it to me. Genius. I actually am living for it too. <laughs> well, Saw, so I am so, first of all, we met last year mm-hmm. at Sahara's wedding. Yeah. And the moment that I met you, I was like, I, I couldn't believe that I didn't know you. And I think even um, Allie, Allison Charles, Rockstar Shaman, yeah. was so surprised that I didn't know you. And she said, you and Saul would get along so well. Like, I can't believe you guys don't know each other. And I was instantly just in love. I was in love with your gorgeous, 
obviously exterior and <laughs> just like everything that you, you're so real and authentic. And I, this word authentic really gets played out a lot, you know, mm-hmm. and it, you and I, we've had several conversations since then. Saw and I have had plenty of uh, hangouts and um, many deep conversations, which I, I would love for us to, you know, share some of the things that we've talked about. But this word authentic, I feel like gets played out a lot because people use it to define a way of being or people being honest, but I, I just feel like there's just something so much more than just people being authentic. I almost feel like now it's been so played out that it's now such a superficial word mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. now I think that the word is is better defined as somebody that's just really grounded and really present. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Right? And I, I actually want to riff on the name of your show. I think for me, the word... That, that strikes a, a deeper chord for me is being radical, mm. you know? Because yeah. I, think, I think it does take a lot of courage to be committed to your healing, to not be committed to your lies, to being consistent, to being truthful and impeccable with your word and, and really committed to your heart values and, you know, all the stuff that sort of, you know, gets thrown under the rug and we ended up being consistent to our lies, to our... Uh, all the stuff that, you know, all of our conditioning, it's so easy to resurrect old versions of ourselves mm-hmm. for us to continue to play this coherent act in the world yeah. where it suits the addiction of suffering of all these people around us because unintentionally we want what's familiar, right? And to do what's different takes a radical step. Yeah. So I love, for me, when I'm thinking about being authentic, and I think that word gets thrown around so much around my work, around your work, I think authentic teaching because I, I follow like a lineage of study. Uh, that's an important part. But as an embodied, authentic person, I read it, I read it someone say size is, is just a radical being uh, because of the consistency to, to saying, I don't, can I curse in the show? Yeah, of course. I don't I give love. a fuck what anybody thinks as long as I am, <laughs> as long as I am, uh, you know, living from my heart, yeah. exercise my best qualities and getting rid of my bullshit every day. Um, that's what it means to be radically authentic. You know, let's put these words together. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And I totally agree. (laughs) I want to back up a little bit and just give the audience a little bit of um, background on you. Mm -hmm. You're originally from Brazil and um, you can get as deep as you want. As far as your history, you basically had a shift in your life. That's you right. had a pivot. You were in. Right. You were working in the fashion industry, mm-hmm. and then you went through this incredibly beautiful spiritual journey, which mm-hmm. I know we can read about all. Yes, in your book. yes, you can. Um, so, thank you for that question. And you know, so I moved from. We moved as a family from Brazil to Florida when I was sixteen. Lived in Florida until I was about uh, nineteen, and I got the fuck out as soon as I possibly could. And that's when I started to explore my queerness, explore my sexuality, explore my, you know, my authentic self. Are we going to keep throwing this word around now? I guess we are, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Leave it. No, it's fine. Now that we've defined it, I think we, right. can, we can. And okay. I want to talk about your glossary. Is it that's in here? Right. Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, so, um, and then LA for a few years got really heavy into drugs really heavy into drugs and alcohol. Uh, was a, it was quite a wild time. And then left for uh, New York when I was 21 and then lived. I mean, I went back and forth LA, New York and kind of traveled for a minute, but more consistently living in New York. Mm-hmm. And I started this fashion magazine with a few friends. And, and then in the fall of 2012, um, I was bought out. Um, which was a, an extremely difficult heartbreak. Um, while I was like 23 starting this company and having all these employees and, and all this financial support to, to create a, a beautiful creative vision in the world, um, I was creating really great work. I was, but I was just this like, I was able to perform really well as someone who was uh, struggling with addiction struggling with the depression, struggling with anxiety. I performed really well, you know. Um, No one really knew that I was just like constantly having these low lows and these high highs while still having to manage a team. Uh, Little did I know that because I was crumbling inside and my 
inability to recognize my pain and do something about it, um, I was then making other people's lives um, quite miserable as well. And that was really difficult. Um, but I only found this found found out about that uh, exchange that was happening much later. So I leave the fashion industry in the fall 2012. I, I, I moved to Florida, not to the same place where I went to high school with and where we lived, this little beach town closer to outside of Tampa um, called Madeira Beach. And I lived there for about a year. And that was when I started to like look into meditation, holistic health, change how I started eating, started exercising, um, you know, just dove into all the things, but still with the sort of like skeptical, like, mm, what the fuck is this all about? Mm -hmm. But I was still getting these little glimpses, you know, I'll sit down to meditate and I'll be like, mm -hmm, this feels good. What's up with this? You know, what's, what's in this thing? So I just kept going. I just kept going. And then I decided that I was going to go to India because that's, you know, me being radical, being right. like, girl, I'm going like, to learn this shit. All in. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to learn how to meditate. I need to go find a radical saint mm -hmm. and show for them to show me how. Uh, so then I had this whole plan of going to study with these South Indian gurus. And I, I mapped it all out in, uh, at the house. I had all these photos of where the, the ashrams that they, that they lived in, the place I needed to go, all the things. And then my dad comes into the house and says, you should go up to the north. You should go up to the Himalayas. And you should study uh, Buddhism. And you should study with the Dalai Lama. I was like, I don't even know who that is. I had sort of like maybe seen his photo in passing. But at that point, I had only been sort of exposed to Kabbalah because Madonna would be in class a few times a month. So I'd be like, this is a look, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so little did I know that the moment I landed my eyes, <laughs> so the moment good. I landed my eyes at, yeah. at the Dalai Lama, I was like, oh, you're the guy. <gasps> you have something for me. I just knew. So then I buy a one-way ticket to India. I do a 10-day silent retreat. And at that retreat was the first time I had somebody, a stranger, reflect something so simple to me, but to the entire audience at this 10-day retreat. You have basic goodness. You have basic goodness. You are innately good. Your goodness is not circumstantial. It's unconditional. And I have, I have really loving parents. And, and I grew up, you know, very well. And we never struggled with much. Um, but that simplicity of those words just went deep, you know? And I'll explain more, more about this later. It was the way I had internalized mistakes. It wasn't a reflection of my actions. They had become a reflection of myself. Like the guilt had then become shame, you know? It wasn't like, oh, I did something bad. I'm now a bad person. It was like, I did something bad. And what can I do to... to, to um, have regret for it, compassion, mm -hmm. forgiveness, and make a commitment to not to do better next time. Yeah. Um, but the shame was so prevalent in my mind that I, every single little thing I had done up until that point had accumulated this conditioned view that I was innately bad. Mm -hmm. So I was walking around the world feeling like I'm a mistake. I'm a bad person. And imagine my perception of the world. Right. Whoa. Like imagine that. And still having to perform, still having to, 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 to live, you know, still, have to be part of this global family. And so that was a simple little, mm, I was like, mm, this is nice. This lands deep for me. Mm -hmm. And then towards the last three days of the retreat, we did a meditation on death. And it was during that death meditation that I had this like psychosomatic response to engaging with the mind on, on the experience of dying. And then I was just like, oh my God, what kind of life have I been, have I been living? Wow. So for those three days, I was physically sick by engaging with the mind in these uh, thoughts and, and, and visualizations geared towards the moment of death. And after that, um, I left the retreat. It started to already be like, something's got to change. Something's got to, I'm already feeling the transformation taking place. And then I'm able to go see the Dalai Lama for a, a, a talk at the temple, at the house, at his, you know, where he lives. And that was just wild. It was just like everything he said, it just landed so deeply. And then the, the, the sort of, you know, what's put me on the path for real, real, real. It was that fall of 2014. I, I went on a 30-day meditation retreat in Kathmandu, Nepal. And it was at during that 30-day meditation retreat that I started to like really look at my shit mm -hmm. and start to take accountability, start to like recognize my part in the puzzle. 
Um, but it took the first two weeks I was doing the thing where I was like, oh my God, looking around all these people like, wow, you guys must have been real life villains out in the world because y'all crying so much. <laughs> and I'm over here just like judging your ass, judging, my, judging you because you're making too much noise and judging myself because I'm not crying. You know, like what the fuck is wrong with me? Right. What the fuck's wrong with them? What the fuck's wrong with me? Little did I know, honey, that the moment I entered the third week, I was that howling queen. Mm. It, you know, falling apart, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And because we were observing silence, <laughs> because we we're observing silence, people would leave notes at my cushion. I hope you're doing well, honey. Do you need anything? And I would just compile these notes. I mean, I had their, they had a storage unit at my, my parents' house in Florida now. But at some point, I want to bring those back because those notes sort of carried me through. Mm. But it was during that process of sitting and the, you know, my mind had, um, I had, found just a slight bit of, of concentration that the stuff that was unprocessed started to like resurface again. And slowly, slowly, I was able to, to face, you know, all the stuff that I hadn't, you know, made peace with, all the stuff that I was like, all the conditioning. I mean, essentially the feeling that I was a mistake, you know, mm. and that's hard to go around in the world as yeah. feeling like that, like this mortal sin kind of experience. Mm. And then after that retreat, it's your question open to something that I um, that leads to the last day of this retreat. The last day of the retreat, we had an opportunity to take refuge uh, and and take these vows. Meaning, hey, are you ready to commit to healing, or are you are you okay staying in the path of bullshit and and giggles? You know, now I commit to the healing, but still giggling. Yeah. You know, but it's just a different kind of path. So I said, I'm going to take these vows. I'm going to take these. Uh, I'm going to take this initiation. And for a year, I'm going to see what happens. And if I transform, then I'll, st- I'll stick with it. But if I don't, bye, girl. I'm going back to drugs, alcohol, and all my crack baby tendencies. Uh, <laughs> so that's kind of like how it all sort of started. So in the, after the retreat, I just kept monastery hopping around mm-hmm. India, Nepal, a little bit in Thailand, a little bit in Indonesia. And, and then, but I never planned on, on, on you know, writing books, being a spiritual teacher, meditation guide, none of this stuff. It was, it was, it all started purely selfish. It was like, I needed to feel better. Yeah. But then it's natural, right? As we start to feel better, it's yeah. the natural impulse of the heart is to serve. Yeah. So, in, in short answer to a long answer to a question. Yeah. But for me, I, I can relate so much to your story, obviously, you know, and obviously our tra- well, not obviously, our trajectories were different, but I feel like I can definitely see and feel my story within yours. And I think what I find the most inspiring is your ability to really, yeah, like fully commit to what your path was. Obviously, you saw transformation. Obviously, you made the decision to make that pivot and really commit to this this path, you know? And so I think, one of the questions that I've I've been wanting to ask you, um, aye, aye. I know. Well, no, it's it's interesting <laughs> okay. because, I, like I said, you know, Saw and I have had many of conver- many a conversations now at this point oh, in the course over the the year, and I've been wanting to do this for a long time, and I found myself holding back certain things that that I wanted to ask you because I wanted to ask you on the podcast. It's terrible. <laughs> oh, shit. I'm a terrible she friend. To be on the record, honey. <laughs> I'm a terrible friend. No, uh, but I think one of the things was this whole idea of really understanding who you are as a teacher and a leader. And I feel that there's not it's really shitty for me to say, but I really don't feel like there's a lot of real teachers out there. I think that a lot of people are still on their journey. But with you, I really feel like you are that person. You are that teacher. Like you really are the real deal. And oh my God. <laughs> and, and, I, and, and I've always just, I can, I can sense it and I can feel it. And just in the way that you speak and you're so unapologetic about responding to things. We could be having conversations and you're like, no, that's not how it is. <laughs> I'm just like, oh. Where somebody like me might be like, hmm, okay, tell me more. Like, you know, I want to listen. I want to hear people out. You're like, no, honey, girl, that is yeah, not. Yeah, yeah bye, I mean, girl. <laughs> totally. I'm sorry. No, no, but, but so, so the question really, I mean, I was making a statement, but the question is, in, in your process to becoming a teacher, um, what was the most important 
thing that you wanted to transmit to the people that you're serving? Joy. You know, because at the, at the baseline, uh, a huge thing for me has, has, has really not been about teaching people the path to enlightenment. Although I throw that word around in there and I take these vows and I do these practices, blah, 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 blah. But I think approaching everything with joy and what that means, right? I think reminding people that they have this innate ability to be a joy activist. Um, when I was experiencing suicidal thoughts regularly, it was like a visiting narrative constantly. And when you are living with that narrative in your mind, constantly nagging at you, constantly coming back and you, you consider it and you go as far as your system being so inflamed and then you pause because you get a glimpse of like, no girl, that's not the way. There's another way. So those glimpses were very far in between, but they were there. And then slowly, slowly, I started, as I started to like be more committed to the path, more committed to my, to my healing and transformation, more and more the gaps were longer. And when the gaps became uh, longer and harmony started to prevail and more ease, then joy started to arise. And then laughter started to become a default and smile started to become a default and being flamboyant and, and making friends with my queerness and, and inviting everybody. Like walking around as a permission slip really became my, my motto. You know, like how could I enter the world letting everyone know that they have something special in them too? So that's where joy lives, I think, you yeah. know? That's really, I think, what, what really has been like a catalyst for my own uh, healing is, is recognizing this sauce that we all have, this ability that we can transform a room just by the quality of our presence, you know? Yeah. And so when, what I would like to, to help people with is just recognizing that like joy is innate, you know, and like this quick pleasure that we keep going after these quick little glimpses of happiness. Uh, it's all cute. But the truth of it, it's like, what can we do regularly to help us awaken this, this, you know, unconditional joy, this, this joy that's not circumstantial. And what, what like the, the, this entire book is, is several practices to get people to enter that place where they're requiring less from the outside world and they're giving more back. You know, that kind of uh, switch. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I'm in the middle of, which I was going to have you come over to my house so you can help me with. Naturally. Um, <laughs> is this whole idea of, you know, what what is radical love? And if I have to deduce it to its seed, mm. for me, mm. it's connection. Mm, epic. Right? Mm. And so, see, this is why I want you to come over so you can help me like just oh <laughs> to God, write so some good. notes. Yeah. But I think that w what you're saying ultimately is that it, you're, that's like the subheading, right? Like jo you, joy is that connection. That that's connection right. connection to yourself. It's the connection to everybody else. That's right. I think that's right. So important. That's right. One of the other things I wanted to ask you about, um, you've talked about epigenetics mm -hmm. before mm -hmm. and- mm -hmm. Obviously, you know my story. You know I can relate to this. But um, can you tell us a little bit about a little bit more about what epigenetics is and and how it pertains to your story? Oh, it's such a, it's actually a really interesting time to ask me that question, though, <laughs> ah. <laughs> because I did do a TEDx talk about uh, you know transgenerational uh, trauma, mm -hmm. so how it impacts your genetic makeup, and because I, I my grandmother committed suicide. And my mom uh, came into the house moments later and saw uh, grandma, I wish you well, um, and saw the body still agonizing in the floor after she had shot herself in the head. Sorry, sorry, everybody, uh, if this is triggering for you Trigger all. Warning. Yeah, I, it's okay. We all go through it. It's it literally like... Pain is inevitable. Suffering is a choice. I always just remind myself of that over and over again. Uh, Buddha, Shakyamuni, historical Buddha, offered us such beautiful teachings. Anyway, so if you look at my, at my, at my genetic uh, makeup, if you look at my family tree, there's a lot of um, trauma, addiction. Oh my God, you name it, honey. We got every single shade of mental illness. We have every single shade of addiction. Um, and so... I would then technically be an embodied embodiment 
of all this of all this trauma mm-hmm. uh, and all the research into into our genetic makeup into epigenetics shows us that we we are that so that's the scientific view so here's why there's a pivot now which is interesting for you to be talking about this mm-hmm. uh, and what I also offered in the book is that when you look through the lens of karma and this is far out for everybody listening um, this is far out so don't drink the kool-aid listen kindly and just be like hmm Okay, that's cool. And we also know the texture of truth. You know, we know when we hear something that's truthful, it's just like lands deep and it's cool. Otherwise, it's just allowed to pass. So hear me kindly, okay? So when we look at the lens of karma, what it offers us is not that we are the uh, handiwork of mommy and daddy, but we are the handiwork of ourselves. So every single thing that we are experiencing, all my fucked up shit that's happened to me, I don't need to use these words because those are very heavy trigger words. Uh, I don't need to use these words uh, to, to reflect back on my own traumatic experience. But every single thing that I've, that I've experienced as a queer brown body in the world, um, technically, uh, karma says that it's all the consequence of my own past actions. And that's far out. That's far out of a model to look at. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the transgeneration epigenetics, that, that kind of line of research offers us a view. But what I found, there was still an aspect of blame. You know, and I'm willing to be radical and, and say this on the record. I said this on, on Luke Storr's podcast the other day um, about that too, because I am just not about blame anymore. Mm-hmm. I went through the world feeling like the victim. Mm-hmm. This thing happened to me when I was 19. I get to go in and have revenge. And I would go out and seek revenge. And then my life was just this perpetual cycle of suffering, you know, blaming this bitch and blaming this fucker and doing that and da, 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 and then blaming myself for having done all the things. And it was just this perpetual cycle of just continuous, you know, like pain, ongoing. So the view of karma is that you are the complete and utter creative director of your entire experience. Uh, therefore, there's no one to blame. Sorry. <laughs> I know it's fucking crazy yeah. to think about it like that. I mean, look, we have the same lineage and it's like you don't get to, and I, I can't remember what the, it, I can't, and I'm sorry if I'm misquoting from, uh, I think it's the Upanishads that mm-hmm. say, um, you don't get to, it's not the stars. It's not, you know, your parents. It's, it's you. Mm. You don't get to decide where the blame goes. Like Ugh. ultimately it comes to you. Yeah. And, and just to piggyback on your definition of truth has a texture. I love that. That's really great <laughs> because it's part of what yoga is. The whole study and practice of yoga is to cultivate more discernment mm. so that you discern mm. what is truth. That's mm-hmm. the whole purpose of why we practice yoga is to learn more discernment. Um, right. And so even in stories like the Bhagavad Gita, that's um, this heroic tale of um, Arjuna, who's a soldier, and he's basically at the top of this, this mountain with um, Krishna, who, who is God, and he doesn't know it's God in the beginning of the story. I don't want to spoil the story for everybody. <laughs> um, actually, um, Mary and Richard Freeman just wrote a beautiful book about the Bhagavad Gita, and they will also be on the podcast soon. So you can definitely check that out. But the story basically is he is trying to decide whether he goes into battle or not, Mm. right? And him going to battle means if he doesn't go to battle, he is not honoring his, his truth as a soldier, as somebody who has trained his entire life to fight and mm-hmm. protect his family. Mm-hmm. Yet if he does fight, he's fighting his family because mm-hmm. on the opposite side, they're his family, people he grew up with. And That's right. so he's trying to determine whether or not to fight or not to fight. And I'm just going to tell you, close your ears if you don't want to hear the ending. The ending is he decides to fight, right? And the whole story is a metaphor for just our own internal battle mm. to be able to follow our our path and even our purpose, our dharma, right? Mm-hmm. That's the whole purpose of, of the story. But I like to look at it in a more sort of practical sense of in order for us to know what to do when we're confused, we have to cultivate discernment. We have mm-hmm. to know what's, mm-hmm. what's going to be our highest truth. I don't 
I don't think it's about right or wrong. I think that's a whole different conversation. Mm. I think it's about what's truest for you in that that's moment, right. right? So I think it's just, it's, it's so um, akin to what you're saying because I think it's, it's so true for us to be able to really identify what those things are. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, one of the other things. Um, That's I so keep, beautiful, by the way. Oh my God. Thank you for sharing that story. And oh, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's part of, for me, it's really important to be able to continuously assess, right? We practice yoga and meditation because we can be at peace on our mat and our cushion, right? That's right. But it's the stuff that goes off the mat mm-hmm. where it really Eyes matters. open in the world, honey. Yes. Let's see how you, I <laughs> know. who you are at that right? point. Right? And, and I love that you speak to this because yeah. a lot of what you you preach out in the world is about how to be in the world, awake in the world, mm-hmm. how to speak to yourself. You know, you are always doing, now I'm talking about TikTok, right? <laughs> he has literally the best TikTok on oh, the planet. So it's sweet. so good. Um, hashtag not an ad. <laughs> Part, TikTok partner. Um, <laughs> Oops. <laughs> With all that's going on right now, a lot of us are feeling anxious, stressed, or even depressed. And I know that it can be hard finding a doctor to talk to, especially now. That's why I recommend Plush Care. Plush Care knows your mental health is just as important as your physical health. Their primary care physicians are here for you seven days a week to help you start feeling better as soon as possible. In addition to being primary care physicians who handle ongoing and urgent care, They also treat a wide range of common mental health issues like anxiety, depression, stress, or even trouble sleeping. So if you're feeling down, worried, or not like yourself, you can book a same-day appointment and see a plush care doctor right from the comfort of your own home using your phone or computer. They'll discuss treatment options with you and have your prescription sent to your local pharmacy as needed. Plush care accepts most major insurance carriers and is available in all 50 states. Plush Care makes it easier than ever to take care of yourself inside and out. You can start your membership today by going to plushcare.com forward slash loved to start your free 30-day trial. That's P-L-U-S-H-C-A-R-E.com forward slash loved for a free 30-day trial. Go to plushcare.com forward slash loved. So yes, I I think it's really just it, it's super inspiring, you know, that you I say this because I I know you and I know how you show up in the world. And so I really think that well, I guess I'll I'll back it up. For you when you think about somebody being able to navigate mental health or transformation, mm-hmm. even thinking about your path when you were newly in it. Like, can you give us a little bit of insight? And the reason why is because right now, mm-hmm. uh, real time, we are in the middle of pandemic, social injustice, civil unrest. We have an election coming up. There's just so oh much stuff. And I know a lot of people that are really struggling right now, mental health wise. And I'm just, I'd love to just hear what your insight is on that, like how to navigate those things Mm -hmm. and how to be able to still have a spiritual practice during Mm -hmm. this time. Mm -hmm. Can I just say one thing about the karma and epigenetics thing real quick before I go into this? Guys, find what what sets you free. If like, if going through the scientific route is what's working for you, do that. If you want to go for the high view of karma, then do that. I went back to New York after I had done all these years of all these monastery hoppings and trainings, da-da-da-da-da. I went back to New York to study contemplative psychotherapy. And I actually, even while studying that, um, I snuck into a conference where the Dalai Lama was, uh, it's a long story, but actually a fun story. Some other time we'll talk about it. But I snuck into a conference in New Delhi where the Dalai Lama was talking to a group of neuroscientists uh, quantum scientists, molecular biologists, where they're going back and forth about why these practices work. Mm. Um, so anyways, if the path of science is your path, then do that. If the path of karma is your path of, of high spirituality, then do that. Uh, in short, just pay attention to that every single state of mind matters, that every single word matters, is every single action matters, that you are living right now as a consequence of all of your past actions. And if you take ownership from just that simplicity of it, and you look around in your space and you're like, wow, I'm sitting here with this iconic freaking queen in this beautiful space with, these, with this incredible team. 
I've created this experience. You know what I mean? Like you created this experience. We're creating it together. So like recognize that the, the, how, how clean your space is, that's one aspect of how karma blossoms in your life. The way you see the world is one aspect that your consequent, that the, the, karma ripens in your life. The way this, the world sees you is another aspect of karma. And then the fourth aspect is the overall tendencies of the mind. Mm. Um, so look at these four main views, right? When you're thinking about the consequences of your past actions, enough about karma. That's enough. Okay. Farther thank that. you for that yeah. little but just, like just, but just a little sidebar. Just because it's, I, I want people to, I don't want the, us to, you're in the high view. You teach from the high view. Right. Uh, and you embody the high view. Uh, which is why I gag with you. I live for you for that reason. Uh, you know what I mean? Yes. And when I say, I mean, there's a lot of words you oh, kind of have to. I want to talk about that next. That's, we should just get into that. So we, people get it. Uh, and so it's important to sort of reclaim words in the way that 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 impacts your internal world. You know, attach new meaning. Like we're we're creatures of meaning, right? Attach new meaning to things. Like gagging for me is the highest compliment. If someone says, "Bitch, you made me gag," I'm like, "Yes, honey, that's a look." I delivered today, honey. You know, so anyway, so you teach from that. So that's why you, we, like a lot of people listening, maybe the, the high view is a little bit like, eh, I they want more of the analytical, yeah. uh, linear sort of research base. Mm -hmm. That's fine. Do whatever it takes. But at some point, start to entertain things that have ancient history. Remember that the scientific view in, 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 in the field of epigenetics and neuroscience, da, 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 all these incredible things that I was using all, I was really loving all of this. Anyways, but back to your question. What should people do in regards to mental health? First of all, don't uh, overly identify with your mental health. I think it's a huge thing right now with this enormous amount of labels. I'm depressed. I'm anxious. I'm bipolar. I'm narcissist. I am uh, codependent. What's the, the um, attachment, uh, this theory, blah, blah, blah. Uh, uh, like, I get it. That's, that's a look. I get it. Like I've lived with all these labels too. And I don't mean to sound edgy. Yeah, I know. I, well, I'm dying because it's like, I know he can say it's a look and I know if it's a good look <laughs> or if it's a bad look just by his inflection. That's why I love that we have video right now. So watch this on YouTube so you can see exactly what I'm talking about. That's right. But yeah, when he goes, True. it's a look. Like I know that that is not not, not a good look. look. <laughs> or when it's like, it's a look, honey. Then I'm like, okay, it's a good look, That's you know? Right. But okay, continue. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, so first of all, recognize that these are passing waves. They don't, de they don't define who you are. And, and then second of all, um, it's seek professional help if you need. And then look for the ancient practices. Meditate, drink water, exercise, sleep well, laugh, um, connect, radically love. Being connection. The historical Buddha shared so much about the power of the Sangha, being community. I know that when we're depressed, we're isolating, we're going to the bottom of the pit. We don't want anyone around. Trust me, I've been there too. I know what it's like. That's not the luck. <laughs> but then you have to find people who can be like, honey, it's okay. Come out. I got you. I love you. Crunchy and smelly and all the things. It's okay. Come. So we have to find those people. That's your Sangha. That's your spiritual support. Uh, so it's, I think it's two sides, right? Do the thing more traditionally. Seek out professional help if you need to. Mm -hmm. uh, earlier today, I was celebrating one of my long-term students. We've been working together for two years. Last Wednesday, she went off all medication after a year and a half of work together. That is sick. You know, and this is the, the delicious sickness, you know, right, right. this is the high view. Uh, all, she went off all anxiety medication, all depression medication. She's been sober for three months now, excuse me, for six months now. Wow. Uh, she's been making the most iconic work, but it was a slow step. Yeah. You know, it was a slow build. Mm -hmm. But the most important thing is that you're committed to your healing. You're committed to your joy. You're committed to, to um, you know, eating better and yeah. knowing that anxiety and depression have been linked to inflamed gut. Mm -hmm. A lot of research is, is, is shows about that. Um, and, you know, just ask yourself, when was the last time you laughed out loud with another person, not in front of a TV, not in front of your phone, with another human being? The last time you looked in each other's eyes and you just cracked the fuck out to the point where it was like, you know how, how we do it? Yeah. <laughs> that kind of laughter. <laughs> <laughs> like the that, kind we're doing right yeah, now. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You know what I mean? So that's, I think that's a little bit of what I have to offer in regards to that. And, you know, in the book, there's 
so many practices, but but be consistent to what's unfamiliar, you know, for a little bit. Because I know, you know, Thich Nhat Hanh, a Zen master, a Zen Buddhist master offers this a lot. He says, we're so addicted to our suffering. We're so addicted to our pain. To do anything different is so unfamiliar that we rather stay in the misery. Mm. And I, I talk about the misery being the misery blanket that I rather stay under because it's cozy, honey. Mm-hmm. You know, it's painful and it's... Uh, but it's it's comfortable because I know what it's like. Right. But to do something new, to do something different, to go out of your way, to choose to drink more water, to choose to sit down and concentrate your mind, to choose to to breathe in a way that's healing, you know, to eat in a way that supports your awakening, to all the things that we talk about. Yeah. Um, it takes a little bit of it takes a little bit of, uh, of of devotional discipline, you know, like that. Just a little. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I got to tell you guys, I'm sitting here today because of the devotional discipline. You know, I, oh boo, it was a look. And this was not the look. Not this the was look. Like this the, was like this the was look. like the crack baby look. Crack baby, like, yeah. Oh, let's talk yeah. about, let's just talk, ta- let's talk about <laughs> a couple of uh, reclaiming of the words. Okay. Um, tell me about the crack baby. So the crack baby it, oh my God, I love that you want that word. <laughs> oh my God. I the, the other day I was I was with Allison and Luke. So they're like, okay, so is this the good crack baby? Or this is the the not so cute crack baby. I was like, honey, you gotta you gotta pick it up, boo. Yeah. Tune in, tune in, tune in. Mindfulness of your internal world. When the word lands in your eardrums. What is it like inside? Is it yeah. a good crack baby? Um, I think crack baby is just, you know, it's a, it's a fun way to just say wild creature that I can be, that you can be, that all of us, when we are together, we can be uh, free of intoxicants, just being completely wild and free, you know, yeah. really being radically loving and lovable in, right. to ourselves and to the world. Um, and then being a crack baby, the other side is like legit being a crack baby. Like you're just unskillful with your... You're not, you're overly identifying with your thoughts, with your emotions. You're always caught up in rumination and catastrophizing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're speaking unskillful stuff into the world without mm-hmm. taking responsibility. You're acting in a very unwholesome way. And then guess what? You do all this and you still blame other people for your misery. That's the crack baby. That's not the, that's not the cute crack baby. Right. The other right. crack baby is the spiritual crack baby. The one that, that puts in the work, you know, that yeah. then lives this. Uh, radically free life. And um, it's the first time actually speaking on the record about the crack baby. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, if you, you know. Let's it, look, let's go, honey. Let's, let's just do it. it. I'm no, like, let's it, just get it done. Yeah. Um, Thank you for that. Yeah. What about the hi- high vision? <laughs> the high vision. The high vision is living a life of purpose. The high vision is, is recognizing that uh, when you're living, it's like, there's the high vision or no vision, you know? Like, I know there's a lot of middle ground. There's a lot of, there's an enormous balancing act. But then when you are living the life of the high vision, you're not going to, uh, you know, do all the things that you've done. Why are you, why, you know, years, that you, things that you used to do years ago. You're not going to scream at your mother or, 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 or punch somebody or pick up the, the bottle or take a bump of Coke or do all the fucked up shit they used to do. Uh, because of a of a trigger in the now, mm. like if it's hysterical, it's historical, right? Mm-hmm. It isn't like like one of my assistants told me this a, a while back, and I love that. Yeah. Uh, and I think it 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 really it's it has to do with the high vision or no vision. And then on the on the on the on the highest vision is recognizing that living in a high vision, living a high vision life, it's really recognize that we all have a purpose here. Mm. And once you embody that purpose and you, you're, you're living it out into the world, the, the next piece takes place, which is altruism, service, you know, finding ways to be a, 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 a global citizen. Oh. So high vision is a little, that's a little bit of the high vision, hey? but the glossary of the book speaks to, um, uh, we talk more about that too. Yeah. What's your, um, actually I have, I'm sorry, you guys are like, what's another one? You're going to, you're going to have to get the book mm-hmm. and you signed it for me. Stop. Of course, naturally. Stop it. Hello. I cannot. I yeah. love this. Yeah. You guys autographed. <laughs> perks, of the tr- per- perks of the job. Oh my God. I'm um, so honored oh that God, we get amazing. to let the hair down and talk about the, you know, really delicious stuff like this uh, to your audience. This is so good. I mean, it Thank really you. is. Sorry. I was like way too close to the mic. Sorry, Ed. Um, so one of the things I broke the third wall. <laughs> 
<laughs> you guys, this is so cool. Like literally being in the I'm studio. I'm living it. Yeah. So good. Yes. Okay, so just going back on the word thing, semantics. You and I and Ali and Sahara were having a conversation about a word, and I think you and I were really on board with the word. And I, I, I wanted to bring this up I. on here because no, 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 <laughs> no. It the word was surrender. Ah, right? okay, Remember? good. Oh, thank God. Is that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know. There's a couple other yeah. ones. So okay, it's good. just not time for yeah. that those conversations yet. But thank you. But yeah, surrender. And I think you and I had the same sort of reclaiming of that word because we felt it was a little bit um, of a trigger word for us. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it was a so gag, but not a good gag. Not a good kind of gag. So no. tell tell me a little bit about. Do you remember the conversation? It doesn't have to be exact. I mean, I, I'm just curious for you. I like- think, but I want to. I'm just going to say this thing, but I'm going to throw it right. I put the hot potato right back at That's you. Um, I think that the word surrender, it ha- it sometimes leaves you up to like destiny and leaves you up to like um, um, being like a bystander to your life. Surrender. And it's mm-hmm. going to like, and that's just not how I run. And that's not how any of my teachers have taught me. Um, so I feel like when that word is tossed around, like surrender, honey, it really is like, please don't. <laughs> you know what I find <laughs> really know? interesting? I, I agree with you. <laughs> and I, I will elaborate a little bit more yeah. since you threw the hot, hot potato back at me. I, I, and you and I have similar family history. And I think right. that I noticed that a lot of people that have the same sort of family history that we have gag, not the good kind of gag with that word surrender. Because I think that for people Mm -hmm. that have had to come out of difficult situations when you've dealt with addiction or mental health, you kind of get to this place where you you have to be Mm action-based, right? So this whole idea of surrender almost feels like surrender means I give up. That's right. And we've We've not gotten here because we gave up. We've gotten mm-hmm. here because we've continued to swim against the current. That's right. And mm-hmm. so I think that I don't, I'm not irked by the word surrender. I just, and I'm actually writing about this in, in the book, inspired by you, of course, oh, of the honey. conversation yes. that we had mm. was that I think the word surrender should be accompanied by an and. Like mm. surrender and beautiful, my God. Be present and fully show up for your wow. life, or surrender and do the work needed to mm-hmm. get you into a state mm-hmm. of presence or awareness mm-hmm. or wakefulness. Mm-hmm. Um, so it shouldn't. It, it, I should. I hate the word "should" too. I'm like, Ugh, should. Don't no, but should some, all over shoulds, some shoulds are good. I, yeah. I say them with capital S. So let them let it rip with the capital S. Okay. Line. Well, that that's my feeling. And I just remember it really resonating with me enough to where I was writing about it because Epic. I was like, I think this is really important to talk about because people that are listening to this might feel the same way. And that's there's right. others that might not. And that's okay. You know, you really let whatever you need land and what doesn't, it's okay. And mm-hmm. it's part of us being able to have these beautiful conversations mm-hmm. about different things. You That's know? right. Um, for you, when you think about a spiritual practice mm-hmm. and you think about the process of how there are many paths what would you say to somebody who's listening to this and is spiritually curious? Mm, you should write next book about spiritually curious. Honey. <laughs> uh, one thing, um, I just as you're talking, one thing that landed for me about surrender, sorry to keep going back to this, but no, it's fine. it was the word patience. When I think about surrender, I think of patience now. Thank you for that. I think it's, a, it's like doing your best effort and then surrender but i would just take it as like patience you know yeah, patience I like that. you're good girl you're good yeah like it's it's happening you yeah. know the i think the 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 problem is this sense of urgency that we want things to happen right wow. in this motherfucking yes. moment and if it doesn't then i'm miserable you know uh so i think that when i'm thinking about the word surrender and maybe allison should give us a whole you know but i like what you're writing i'm so happy writing your new book about this because i think surrender and 
You know, it's be patient and do the motherfucking work. Yeah. You know, I think that's kind of the thing. Yeah, um, yeah. So what was the question about spiritually curious? Oh, yeah. So I think it's just, you know, for people that are listening to this, I don't ever like to assume that people are listening to this podcast and they're already on some sort of yogic, mindful journey. That's right. Spiritual awakening. So maybe somebody's listening to this particular episode and they are wanting to maybe even just define what a spiritual path looks like for them. Um, for you, what what is a spiritual path? What does it look like? Oh my God. <laughs> a spiritual path is, oh, that's such a good question. I mean, I don't want to give you the Wikipedia this definition. Um, the definition that I have is, is a constant unlearning and remembering. You know, <laughs> that's kind of like unlearning Damn. the conditioning and remembering what's at the base of my being. I'm dead. <laughs> I'm gagging the yeah. good kind of gag. Hey. <laughs> uh, and then here's the next thing, though. Remembering, uh, <laughs> unlearning and remembering. Oh, that's a cute one. I, I probably am saying this for the first time as you, as you like, uh, you know, woke that up within me. So thank you for that. Uh, and, and then I think that the next stage is uh, a spiritual path that you don't feel where your teachers and the books you're reading and anything you're doing is is asking you to subdue your best qualities. And that is what the spiritual, spiritually sassy movement book is all about, is about a movement where if you've been called too much or too loud, too bold, too, too, too anything, you're too intense, you're too queer, you're too this, any, any, too, too anything, Anything extra that we've been told and we had been conditioned with, with a neglect and a push down and a push off away, uh, this is the path for you. Spiritually Sassy is a place where it, it, it not only um, welcomes you, but celebrates your, your extraness as the pathway to your freedom. Um, so if you are relating to what I'm saying, to what Rosie's saying, like you see us as, in, as embodied teachers in, in this funny playful, um, also disciplined and, and, and oftentimes radical way. Um, if this relates to you, then by all means, let's do the work together. We're here to support you. Or if you are reading, looking at other books uh, and other teachers, just, just think about, think about what I'm, what I'm going to say to you right now. It's like when I was, you know, living up in Indian Nepal and doing all this work with all these different radical saints, I, the instructions were to, to literally renounce all of this, all of my queerness, renounce all of my laughter, renounce all of my dance, renounce joy. And I started to model after these ultra spiritual people who I thought were like in the high vision. I thought that they were gagged out and I, I needed to do that. But I was so wrong. They were, what they were doing was good for them. Not good for, not good for people like us. Not good for people who have been told you're too this, you're too that, neglected, marginalized communities a lot in, in the space. Uh, or people who, you know, who, who are wanting to claim that extraness about themselves. This is the path for you too. Spiritually Sassy is about celebrating the, the, you know, the, the radical nature that we all have to be bold, to be fierce, to be loud, to be funny, to be magnetic and charismatic. Mm-hmm. Um, so whatever you're wanting to do, just go to a path where your best qualities are developed and your worst qualities are removed. That's really at the end of the day, you know, just a little. Oh, I love, I love that so much. Thank you. Um, God, that's so good. (laughs) I need to just let that ruminate a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I think about all of these things a lot. And I think you've really given me so much to think about. So <laughs> just so you know, I, I just I, love you, by the way. Thank I, you. Because a lot you. of this stuff like only happens in like in this impeccable chemistry and connection, you know, like these sprouts, these seeds are dormant and living and they come up when I'm writing, but it's, it's in these, you know, moments where you're watering the seeds of inspiration of, you know, fierceness within me. Like you're the sunshine and the little bit of water. You're the fertilizer to what's at the base of my being. So thank you for that. And for everyone listening, if you have friends who do this, who are the the spiritual fertilizer to your garden, keep them close. 
remind them of that constantly, you know, and I don't do this enough, but I hope you psychically, you you get my messages. Oh, 100%. Of love all the and time. support and like, ah, oh, bitch. Well, I, I watch you all the time. I'm like, <laughs> Thank you. I, you inspire Love me you. to be my sassiest self. I try to walk like you, but it just doesn't work. My legs are too <laughs> short. Um, we have a very high um, listenership in Brazil. Oh, wow. Yeah. So can you say something to our Brazilian listeners out there? Oi, amores. Uh... Te amo. Eu não sei, o meu português, uh, eu não consigo dar aula em português. So, eu tenho que falar mais em inglês, mas uh, adoro vocês, amo vocês. And at some point, uh, no futuro, eu gostaria de poder relembrar como falar português fluente para eu poder dar aula e dançar com vocês. That was so hot. <laughs> I, just said, I just said, please forgive my Portuguese. I wish I could, I had, you know, better… <laughs> I wish I could speak Portuguese better so I can like, you know, uh, talk to you guys about all this like high view stuff. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for that. That's so beautiful. So we're coming to the closing of this podcast. I don't oh, want to wow. say end because things never end. They just continuously keep growing and moving and thriving. So I'm going to... So before I actually I, I do the closing, mm-hmm. I just want to... Tell everybody, please get this book. This is an incredible book. It's it. By the time you're listening to this or watching this, it is out. Um, mm-hmm. There we go. Oh, beautiful. And um, so where can people go for more information or to connect with you? Um, you can go to my IG at Sade Simone, or you can go to TikTok at Sade Simone too, or on my website, myhealingally.com. Where you have access to all the courses, meditations, my membership, um, events and things I'm doing. Yes. Myhealingally.com. Okay, great. And we will put all of those links in the show notes of this particular podcast episode. Or if you're watching the video, if you go down to the description, all the links that Saw mentioned will be there. So you can just mm-hmm. click and follow him and just tell him how incredible he is. So the final question. Hi. I ask all of my guests and it's pertaining to this podcast. And, you know, as I grow, the podcast grows and just my why begins to shift and move. And so radical love for me now means that ultimate connection, connection to whatever it is that you connect with to your highest self, your highest vision, your Mm. highest power. Mm. Um, The question to you is, how do you feel radically loved? How do I feel radically loved right now? Just like looking at your, the, looking, looking at your eyes, the way, you know, seeing how you see me. It's like, oh my God, it's so good. <laughs> Feeling radically loved. I think it happens in community. You know, I think it happens in community. And I mean, the Buddha had a very specific definition about love, which is to understand and to support somebody's happiness. Um, and I feel like that's, that's exactly what you give me when you look at me, when we are in community around your, around your pool, hanging out with your pit bull, which was the first time I was around a pit bull before it was at your house. I actually told my trainer uh, a couple of weeks ago, he has a pit bull too. And I was like, the first time I hung out with a pit bull was maybe earlier this year, my friend Rosie's house. Uh, it was quite a healing experience for me. Uh, so I think radically loved, how do I feel radically loved in community? You know, in community, it really is. And then also like when, when it's me alone, it's being able to wake up in the morning and smile my, smile my reflection in the mirror and be like, bitch, you got this. Let's go. That's how I, you know, radically love myself. And no matter how crunchy I wake up, the hair is like a crack baby look. I'm all crusty, you know, feeling all <laughs> kinds of crunch and being like, uh, and I'm like, hey, bitch, what's up? You're a look. Mm. That, that is how I show myself radical love. Oh, Sa, I love you so <laughs> I love much. You too. <laughs> I just want to take this moment to thank you for everything that you've done and created in your journey on your path. Uh, you're helping so many people. I know how hugely impactful your teachings are. Thank you for just being your truest, realest self. And just thank you for, for being here and for sharing your wisdom with our community. 
Oh my God, thank you, honey, so much, so much. Guys, if you're listening, I invite you to just gently close your eyes for one moment and I'm just going to whisper a few words. And this is a compassion mantra. Uh, this is the female Buddha, Tara, green Tara. And the mantra is Om Tare Tutare Ture Soha. Om Tare Tutare Ture Soha. Om Tare Tutare Ture Soha. And essentially what the mantra means is may all beings everywhere be free of mental and physical suffering and be happy and have all the cause of happiness. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're the best. Thank you. Hey, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I am so excited to continue to do this. Please share this with your friends. Email us. Message us on Instagram at Rosie Acosta or on Twitter at Rosie Acosta. Subscribe on iTunes. Write a review. We love doing this. So please help us continue to keep this podcast going. Thanks for listening.